Let's just sit here and record for a couple minutes. That sounds good. Yeah, we're yeah. in the car. We're in the car, but we're not driving anywhere. We're parking. Yeah, where are we? Uh, where are we park, baby? Describe it. It's called the City Market, and it's like if it's like the love child of like <laughs> three parents. Which, okay. if you if you're asking yourself how can that be, that's because you're part of the problem. That's it. And yep. you're close-minded. That's right. Um, one of them would be like a hipster grocery store that maybe used to be a service station or something, and now yep. it's like, ooh, but we do espressos. Uh-huh. What can I get you? And you pay a lot, but it isn't good. Yeah. One is a really sad, like, like the Quick Mart in Springfield on The Simpsons. Uh-huh. And I think one is kind of a inner city, like an inner city bodega. Like yeah, a, yeah. Like a, you go in there and there's, there's like one half of an aisle of cleaning products. Yeah. Which is like two rolls of different brand paper towels. Right. Some off-brand spray. And like, and everything is nine nine bucks. You know, you, you can get a hot dog off one of those rollers, and you can get a pair of shoes. You yeah, know? yeah, right, yeah. right. This one did not embody any of them. Yeah, but it had all the weaknesses of all of them. <laughs> That's true. And you and I split an almond joy, which was cute. Yeah, I want to say it was cute. Um, yeah, and we yeah. kind of started at either end and <laughs> sort of met in the middle. <laughs> yeah, we didn't each take one of the, the things. We yeah. it's just an almond. There's two almonds in each. <laughs> oh, God. Keep going. Um. Gee. So we did though get something else. Yeah, and, we did. Too. And I want to say I want to just shout out to the guy behind the counter. Okay. Who? Let's give was him some wearing, love. Let's go there. Well, he was approximately ninety. Okay. Yeah. He was wearing a mask. Yeah. He was wearing youthful ninety though. He <laughs> was wearing black rubber gloves. Oh okay. yeah. Like you might expect a coroner to wear while right. doing an autopsy. Yeah. Then he like rubbed his eye, nostril, and mouth with one of them, and immediately. Just put like like a the claw machine in an arcade over the top of where both of us are about to put our mouths on these yeah. on these canned beverages. It's funny you mention that they do hipster autopsies here. It's a <laughs> it's a vintage autopsy experience. <laughs> There's a guy with like a handlebar mustache back there and a and an old light. Someone's you know. got a, a barrel and they put every, all the stuff they don't know what it does in there. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're here in Midtown Memphis. We just had Hattie B's hot chicken. Uh, delicious, and we were looking for a brand new energy drink experience to kind of cool our mouths off. Listen, and, Ted, um, yeah, <laughs> it's not going to be enough to just get the sandwich. We're going to also have to get the three giant <laughs> chicken hot tenders. Chicken tenders, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Hattie B's great experience, save for um, the fact that it was thirty-one degrees in there. Right. <laughs> We were eating indoors, which made Zach very happy because he's not allowed to do that at his state. Cold chicken, yes. hot chicken. Cold, yes, yes. cold room, hot chicken. Cold room, hot chicken. That's right. And, um, and in between there, dude, we did go to a bookstore that we decided was kind of famous for being famous. Famous for being thing. famous, very mediocre, very condescending. Um, yeah, here's how, here's how the interaction that I had. Which is what you're looking was. for in a, in, a, in a hipster midtown bookstore. But I also don't want to yep. be able to find any books that I want. So. That's right, yeah. <laughs> but I walked in there. And I'm just looking around, and she said, "Anything I can help you find?" Uh-huh. And, and, and I kind of in a, is it in about time for you to leave? Kind of mm-hmm. a voice. Yeah, yeah. And I said, "No, I'm just browsing. Thank you." And she went, <laughs> "Like, like yeah. I just walked into a brunch place and wanted yeah. a table for one or something. I don't exactly. know what, what happened there. I don't either. I think uh, you don't know what book you want. Oh, uh-huh. I mean, we wouldn't have it, but you should know. Right, right. We wouldn't have anything that you would want, but you know what we did want, and we do have now our energy drinks. Yes, sir. Um. Now, I, I feel like subtlety is, you know, maybe not a strength of this particular brand's uh, aesthetic. However, um, what we're looking at here in the can, Zach, 
is a brand name that is C4. So named after the kind of explosive that like uh, guys are always fastening to like... Um, what John yeah, McClane was putting on a chair. John McClane put it on a chair. Uh, so we got C4. And the aesthetic of the can from a design standpoint, it's like caution tape. So... Oh, I hadn't noticed that, but you're right. Yeah. The implication is that like you're going to be the dead body potentially behind the caution tape. You're going to be the one in the yeah. basement of this <laughs> yes, self-same right. market. You're going to be the one getting hipster autopsied by these these insufferable Midtown residents. Can I get a little bit of that? Hit oh, it, man. Yeah. If you open it up, it's untouched. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the uh, alcohol wipe, sanitizing wipe from United Airlines that they gave me on the go. way into the... Gosh, they're good people at United. I got to say, <laughs> I, I, it made me think, wait, you haven't sanitized any of this? <laughs> yeah, now that's right. my job? Now it's on me? Yeah. Um, I'm going to remember to take that out when I leave. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm going to blow on it a minute to get you for the sure won't. alcohol to... No, yeah, yeah. I'm not leaving that in your car. Yeah? Okay. But do, you, do you think of me yeah. as a guy who likes to leave stuff behind in the car? No, I'm just... So, I have two boys. I'm so used to, like... I pride myself in that. Yeah. I, I might have a messy that. car, but if I get into a car like yours, it's clean. Mm-hmm. I'm filled with envy. Yeah. And I would never do anything to mess it up, you know, to mess that up Dude, I'm you. such a sad old man. This is the only domain in my life that I have, like, complete dominion over, so I can keep it clean. What about your office at, at the university? Though? Do that, too, and it's also super clean. Yeah. You know yeah. what's funny is my I can't do any work at yeah. church if there's any disorder. Same. I got to get it all, like, tip-top. And, then and I, I wish I was like that at home. Like, I yeah. couldn't sleep unless, like, I had yeah. gotten everything all arranged. Anyway, let's see four. Oh, what about what about uh, copy? Dude, we got some interesting copy going on here. So, uh, C four original explosive energy plus performance. Mm. So this Zach is a performance energy drink, calibrated especially for all the sitting around that you and I are going to do later today. <laughs> Me driving home, you flying home. Um, so here's what it says: C four is specifically engineered to deliver explosive energy and enhanced performance in the gym, on the field, or wherever your fitness journey may take you. Now, that is... Um, different than your copy. It's different from my copy, but I was also going to say this cold beverage uh-huh. is going to lead to something explosive, but <laughs> unlike what you thought the hot beverage might. <laughs> that, 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 that's because right. we toyed with going from Hattie's Hot Chicken, mm-hmm. Hattie B's Hot Chicken... Directly to, to a hipster coffee shop. And, uh, yeah, we decided that might be... Uh, Detrimental to the rest of our days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, the rest of our days makes it sound like we were going to like die at the slowly die. Shop. At the yeah, end. yeah. All right. So mine says, mm-hmm. tap into the explosive energy of C four to unleash superhuman performance <laughs> and dominate life. They're really kind of soft selling it. I mean, <laughs> I feel like they're under promising and over delivering here. Yeah, but what are the benefits of drinking it? <laughs> yes, exactly. Dominate life. Dominate. And, and it's like the afterthought. You're going to literally dominate life. You will be superhuman, mm-hmm. and you will dominate life. Yeah. Dude, look at the warning. Does yours have a warning? I feel like yours says $10 where mine has the warning. Yeah, mine says $10 and yours says be warned. Mine says recommended for adults over 18 who want to maximize performance <laughs> and dominate life. Does it say that? It does. See? <laughs> so they're sort of... Recu- but, you know, hats off to them. No warning on yours, though. They're like, you're on your own over yeah, there. Screw yeah, screw you. Yeah. But hats off to them for having different... Yeah. Different copy on different products. Sure. Unlike uh, you-know-who. Yeah. Um, mine, yeah, instead of that, it says, Thirsty for more? $10. Join C4 Rewards and earn $10 credit today. <laughs> you may not live to spend it. $10 off your hipster autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to pay them in just gold bullion, you know? <laughs> Vintage. They pull it yeah. out of your teeth, actually. That's, that's right. Uh, there's also these little boxes. What do you got there? Cardosin and uh, Beta Power? Yeah, we got the same boxes. Do you want to take Carnosin or Beta Power? 
Carnison sounds meat-based, and that's really my jam. Taurine. Go for it, dude. Um, so we've got uh, old carnitine. Well, that's funny, dude, if it, if it says the same thing as mine. It's got a picture of a guy running, yep. but he's running with no feet. Did you notice that? Right. This yeah. poor guy's got no feet, but he's got doggone it. He's out there running. That's part of dominating life. I wanted to bring that up. <laughs> and he's superhuman. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to need you to divest yourself of your feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this patented form of beta-alanine has been clinically shown to fight fatigue and improve muscular endurance within minutes of drinking C4. You may feel it. <laughs> go, go for it. Keep going. You may going. feel a tingling sensation from beta-alanine, signaling that your body is primed for superhuman performance. Definitely not signaling that you're about to die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or, right. or that you didn't dodge that bullet that you were trying to dodge to begin with. Let's have a look at beta power. Beta power. This clinically studied natural form of beta-ine <laughs> is derived from beets, a powerful superfood that supports hydration and physical performance. And we have different flavors. Yep. Mine is um, Tropical Blast. Mine's cotton candy. Big cotton candy guy. Oh, and, and it has a standard uh, energy drink thing around the brim, or, or the rim here, where yep. mine says car- <laughs> carnison which is what I just read to you about. Yeah. No artificial colors, naturally flavored, so it's going to taste like butt. Yeah. Uh, beta power, yeah. and then the, the name of the... And zero yeah. sugar. Yeah. You're My, mine is similar, yeah. All right. Uh, we ready for the nose? Let's do Let's it. Let's go nose first. We'll do... <laughs> Dive into these things nose first. Yeah. Mm. It smells all right. I can tell it's going to be undercarbonated, but we'll get to that. You know what, you know what mine smells like? What? Mine smells exactly like this stuff. When this is counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. Called NeuroSleep. Yeah. That I drink sometimes to help me fall asleep. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if like there's going to be some kind of Pavlovian situation where I drink this and my mind, upon tasting it, just gets sleepy, even though it's supposed yeah. to give me a superhuman performance. What's your smelling? Mine smells like the kind of bubble gum that came in a back, uh, pack of baseball cards in the 80s. Hopefully it isn't dusty. Chewy. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, always broken. Always broken. Always dusty. Dude, if you ever opened a pack of baseball cards and there was a a whole, nice whole like lush piece of gum in there, and you showed it to your friends, you became like the alpha male. They had to follow <laughs> That's you. Right. That's Let's right. try these suckers. All right, here we go. Mine's good. Mine is also good. Mine's too sweet, but I don't mind that. Mine's too sweet, also, but also very good. Yeah, that's good. I see myself drinking all of this. Oh, yeah, I'm not wasting a drop of this, whatever $8 drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I didn't even hear what he said. I think that my, my brain rejected the total that yeah. that guy gave us after he, like, put all of his uh, mm. bodily fluids somehow on the <laughs> rim of this thing <laughs> right. with his glove. Yeah. The world. Dude. It's the hipster way. Like. Is, eh. is there is there some equivalence here, or am I, am I drawing patterns where they don't exist? Between I'm wearing gloves... Okay. And also, I'm touching my face, and also I'm cleaning toilets, but also I'm giving you food. Right. And that may, that way, everything's clean and sanitary. The presence of the gloves in all of those scenarios, even if it's the same glove, somehow, like just the glove itself. The hey, glove look, itself makes it okay. Look, yeah. guys, it's a glove. Is there a connection yeah. between that and you have to be six feet apart from everyone when you're getting your ticket scanned to get on the plane? Hey, hey, could you take two more steps back so you're six right. feet apart? And then 30 seconds from now, we're all going to be Spooning with a total stranger (laughs) on the plane. Breathing each other's recycled air for two hours. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I know it. Uh, Zach, it's tough out there, which is why... um, (laughs) 
<laughs> Which is why we should all stay home. Guys, it's tough um, everywhere. That's it. That's right. Hey, let's finish strong, though. Ooh. And yeah. we will finish. That's right. <laughs> strong. strong. <laughs> we will finish by dominating life. <laughs> And now, brought to you by Nuquano Coffee Roasters, www.nuquanocoffee.com. Coming to you live, and by that we mean not really live, from Gutcheck World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gutcheck South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gutcheck Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friend, my partner in radio, my partner in business, my partner in the magazine business. Your partner in business, but always trying to make sure we're not into too much business. My partner in business, by which I mean making sure that we're never really a real business. <laughs> because that sounds Zach. like more of a hassle than we want to deal with. My partner in being glum this morning. Yeah, Zachary actually, Bartles. at first I wasn't your partner in being glum. I was your friend who was glum. <laughs> and then right. I, <laughs> somehow we both became glum, and I think it might have had to do with me. It may have, but you know what? I'm not I'm not here to keep a record of wrongs, nor a record of, of who was glum first. <laughs> uh, I am here to do radio, uh, and to do good radio, powered by Mukwano Coffee, Zach. Oh, I'm drinking uh, some right now. Rich delicious blend of uh, aromatic coffee beans. Tell us about Mukwano Coffee and where our listeners can get it. I'm doing a thing where I'm pouring it. Yeah. Um, Mukwano Coffee is delicious. It is pretty much the best. And you can get it at MukwanoCoffee.com or GutCheckPress.com slash swag, which is something that probably could get us sued, it seems like. But um, mm. I think that... Uh, Oh gosh, dude! I'm 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 on like four cylinders. I got yeah. I got no real like uh, pep in my step here. Uh, yeah, I'm, you're you're trying to create it. You're trying to contrive the pep. Yeah, does that ever work? No, but but do this. Let me let let me carry you, baby. I'm gonna lift you up. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put down a little towel over my shoulder and I'm gonna throw you on my shoulder. I'm gonna burp you a little bit, and I'm gonna. I'm going to carry you through this thing, okay? <laughs> I get the metaphor of the carrying, but what does the burping signify? Like you're a baby, like you're a little Oh, I get that I'm a baby, but baby. like, is yeah. it an allegory? Is like the carrying is like you're going to pick me up emotionally. The burping is like you're going to help me. I'm going to help you get the... Expel the bubbles of gas that are my glumness. Expel the glumness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just by way of setup, um, <laughs> you recently had a vacation. Which you ostensibly enjoyed, but now the thing that happens after vacation is you're back home mm -hmm. and you're a little bit glum. Reentry has been tough. You haven't slept. Uh, it's just been a nightmare for like the past seventy two hours, and uh, and that's 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 why you're glum. But we're gonna we're gonna do this thing by navigating through a few topics, and in the in the course of doing that, I think it's gonna bring you back up. And um, you let me let let me like tee you up on some of these things, okay? Right. So let's start with the last thing that we texted about, which was a book that you purchased in the airport. And did you did you buy it in the airport or did you buy it in a bookstore and bring it to the airport? You know, I bought it. Uh, we went to the Cheesecake Factory to meet my parents. Solid. Never yeah. been there before. Um, uh -huh. 
And then it was in the mall in Grand Rapids. And so we, we were killing some time before and I went into the, the Barnes and Noble and yeah. I thought I'm going to get a book. I always like to have a book when I travel. Um, oh, same, a dude. book that I Got hadn't, you. for some reason, buying it at the airport or right before you go to the airport makes it more. Does it separate it from your your non-vacation life more? Or Do you have this experience? Like that's. Yeah, dude. So, so here's my experience. I always get the book before I go to the airport. Okay. Because A, I never trust the selection at the airport. I never know what I'm going to run into there. And B, like airport pricing is always just outrageous. So uh, I always procure the book ahead of time. But I, re- I really look forward to the vacation book. Uh, I like all the airport time, like uninterrupted reading time. And do you feel, I know you enjoy smugness. I know that smugness is, is kind of a, a core value for you. And it's, it's becoming one for me as well. I remember, so we took a trip to Vegas uh, a month or two ago. And I remember feeling very smug about sitting in the airport, reading a book while everyone else in the airport just like diddled their phones. And it made me feel uh, superior. Yes. Did you have that same. experience? Yep. Yeah I, I, yeah. I did. I do and did. Um, and I, I also like to get like a donut at the airport. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that funny? That feels like the setup for something. It was, a, it was just a, it was a callback to um, almost exactly four years ago. Oh, when, dude, when, that's we, right. That's right. <laughs> the funny, the funny, awkward donut moment that we got that we got on tape forever. Um, it revealed something about how how you and I <laughs> how we approach end of trip issues. Yeah, and I'm framing that as like the way that people talk about end, end of, of life, life issues. Yeah, 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 and in, in very somber tones. But like end of trip issues for me is this. It's this exercise in getting paranoid that like I'm gonna miss a flight or an announcement and not get home. And I think for you and for KK, it's an exercise in like squeezing a bit more enjoyment out of the trip itself. Not and wanting like, it to end. Not, not wanting being it to in end. denial that it's over. Yes. 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 Being in denial that it's over. Whereas like I have accepted that it's over. I've probably over accepted such that like I've been in acceptance that it's over for like a day and a half. And I've, I've ruined the last day and a half of the trip as a result. <laughs> you wrote it off. You're like, you know what? I can't. I I, if I, I enjoy myself. Off. It's just going to be ruined anyway. Like a day and a half before, I'm like, I got to think about getting to that gate. I got to, I got to go to the airport website, see where it is. You know, um. dude, I'll tell you what, the same thing happened with us on the way, like the last day on the way out of the park. Um, yeah. Like Aaron was a thousand times more excited about this than me. It was, was her trip. Yeah. She's always wanted to do. And, and it was a, sure. g- a gift to her that we were going. Yeah. Um, and the gift was basically. Like with how she's selling books like a maniac, you know, she was paying for it. It turned out, sure. but uh, the gift was that that like she set the entire itinerary for this trip sure. to this place she'd always wanted to go, and we would just roll with everything, and it was yeah. super fun. But Good. but even though she was way more into it on the whole, on the last day, I'm like, hey, we're stopping at Old Faithful again to to grab some food. Why don't we walk up that path again and see if any of those things are going off? And she's like, no, 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 we got to get out of here. And I'm like, how mm. weird is it that now I want to do more geysers and, and see more features yeah. and stuff? And she's like done with it and ready. And I think she she shares this is a, this is an odd thing on a number of uh, fronts where you yeah. and my wife and your wife and I share uh, like weird little idiosyncrasies. Yeah. End of trip issues being one of them. Yeah, for sure. Because, uh, yeah, I would have totally not enjoyed the geysers like the last day of the trip for me is a wash. It's like a total write-off. That that day is just all about getting to the airport. Um, 
which is unfortunate. I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's the right way to be. It's just, uh, it's just a thing that happens. Zach, I want to do, I want to do two minutes on the cheesecake factory. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. So cheese it up. Yeah. There's a, there's a distressing thing that's happening in our culture. And I think it's tied very closely to the like hipsterization of food all around. But it's this thing where, remember where 20 years ago or so, you would go to any city and people would ask you where you're going to eat. And, and people asked that a lot less 20 years ago because it was less of a leverage thing. But people would ask it, let's say, 20 years ago. And you'd be like, uh, I think we're going to go to the Cheesecake Factory. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, that place is amazing. It's so good. Whereas now, like, it's it's kind of... It's still a few paces ahead of the Olive Garden, but it's sort of falling into that space where like people are crapping on it just because it's a chain place that's existed for a certain number of years. And I'm not okay with that happening. Really? It makes me sad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the the sort of um, smug, I'm too good for the Cheesecake Factory posture that a lot of people are taking. Because hear this, none of them are too good for the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> okay? I know them. <laughs> And I know the Cheesecake Factory, and they're not too good for it. <laughs> Your thoughts? <laughs> um, I'm probably part of the problem in this in this instance, and not with this Cheesecake Factory specifically, although yeah. uh, because of being a Bill Burr fan, I've kind of come to think of that as emblematic of just like the sort of fat... Um, sure, yeah. Creativity-less uh, strip mall landscape of... of kind of sad highway stop towns but um mm-hmm. i i don't really I, I less and less care to go ever to to chain places i think part of it has to do with the the almost embarrassment of amazing like one-off restaurants around where i live um and that it's almost impossible to like try them all let alone you know and so like if i'm going to go to the olive garden it's going to be a full-on we need to eat quickly or everybody else is, is backed up or finally it's Calvin's turn to pick, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I, I don't think it's a hipster thing for me so much as it is. I feel like, and I'm not a foodie, but I feel like when you go to a red lobster or somewhere and you pay the same amount for a meal that you would, if you went to somewhere that was a lot less you know, corporate, like a hipster place, yeah. yeah, you wind up paying the same money, but you get microwaved food nine out of ten times. Yeah. And to me, I don't know. It, it, and there's no love in it. You know, there's no there's no pride because mm-hmm. the people running the place had nothing to do with forming the aesthetic or anything. And I could see how, because of the name and because of. <laughs> the kind of original way that people thought of it, that the, the cheesecake factory could wind up being the whipping boy in that space. Uh, yeah. It, it, it kind of makes sense to me, but I'm glad that you're standing your ground, dude, that, that you're, you're willing to defend a brand that yeah, you like. That, that was a hot take, man. Just a sizzling hot take by me. That was good radio. <laughs> even though we disagreed, we totally disagree on the cheesecake factory thing. I'm even going right gonna, now, dude. I don't like to disagree I, with you. Yeah, how are we going to recover from that? Um, do you think our company will ever become so big and bloated as to become a target uh, in much the same way that the Cheesecake Factory has become? Not not if uh, we are spend half an hour on the phone figuring out how to make sure that it doesn't become a real company like we did this morning. If we spend half an hour on the phone talking ourselves out of doing all the projects <laughs> that we were thinking about doing. Oh, my 
gosh. And, and then we get to the end of our of our conference call and say, wasn't there one more thing? And then go, oh, yeah, the real project we're actually doing that we just almost <laughs> exactly. forgot. The one that we're actually committed to because we bought materials for it. You know what might bring uh, me up, dude? What if we what? what if we made a big announcement about our next project after the the uh, Ooh, big new like quarterly? I, I like big business announcements. Me too. Let's do that. Let's do, do it. You want to do it right now? Yes. We haven't talked let's about Chuck. Then... Pa- let's not talk about Chuck Palahniuk's depressing, disgusting book and how he's a hack. Instead, let's talk about our life giving, affirming book and how you are a genius. Ah, oh, genius! Thank you, baby. That's big. We talked about the genius thing last time, didn't we? Dude, if, if uh, Ronnie's a genius of music, then no brainer. You're a super genius of literature. Absolutely. Ah, that's sweet of you to say, baby. So the third book uh, in the, the Flex graphic novel series. So uh, the little graphic novels that I wrote with uh, a, a different publishing house. Um, I did two of them. I had a third one that I was passionate about writing. Uh, Zach, I took a meeting. I took a meeting with the the chief executive of that company. At the Cheesecake um, Factory? At the Cheesecake Factory. No, but it was... You know what it was, though? It was like... It was in Nashville, and it was like the Asian fusion version of the Cheesecake Factory. Okay. That and sounds then, like, good. It was, it, yes, it was good in theory, and it was all... It was like all decoration. Like, the, the interior design, it was like, wow, this is incredible. You know, what an experience... But then the food was the 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 actual menu was very mediocre. Probably um, it was a restaurant started by someone who was like, I always knew how I would design a restaurant and how I wanted to yes. look, and then the food was an afterthought. I feel like that happens more and more. And the meeting itself was rather mediocre, and that he was pretty <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty clear that they wouldn't be doing a third flex novel. So uh, driving home, I had two hours on the road to to kind of. Uh, reassess my life and search my soul. And by the time I got home, I, I realized Gutcheck is going to be doing that book. Um, and we're going to crush it. And we're going to do it even better. And we're going to sell way more copies. And this is the book I've always wanted to write for young readers because it's called The Dog Lives. And <laughs> it's a book about a child and his pet who doesn't die in the book. And uh, I'm very, very excited about it. I'm like a third of the way through it already. And um, it's going to be a, a great time for the company. And Zach, you're going to be doing the illustrating, which I'm super excited about. We'll see if I'm up to the challenge. This is a nice opportunity for me to try and up my game in the, uh, in the illustration field, which is something I've never studied and am yeah. sort of good at. I have all the confidence in the world that, uh, that you will up your game. Um, in that I wrote like half the books of my career, having never studied writing. There you uh, go. Yeah. Okay. Really. So, uh, it can happen. There's precedent. And, um, that's an interesting yeah, so, question. Yeah. Quick aside. If you read mm-hmm. a book from before the MFA and one from after, do you yeah. think it like tangibly improved your writing? Do you think it in any way made it more stilted and, and try hardy or academic yeah. or, or did it not change it at all? I don't know that it changed it at all. And that's not a, a sort of aspersion on the MFA program. It was a really great program. And I think what it allowed me to do was learn how to how to think about writing and how to talk about writing, which is a thing that I have to do a lot in my job. So on those levels, 
I think it was really worthwhile. I don't know that it changed my writing a whole bunch. <laughs> um, what if you got to the MFA program and found that it was all like when you go to a writing conference and it's just like how did how did social media promote your books and like <laughs> how to make your Twitter page even even more relatable? How yeah, to, no. How to face your writing fears? <laughs> exactly, dude. I would have been so glum. 801. That would have been terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> eight oh one. Now this is an eight hundred level look at how to face your writing fears. So. It's a little bit different. The take home is still, you got to get in the seat, you know, get in that that chair, stay in the chair. (laughs) I love how like you get a room full of reasonably smart people and you talk to them like they're a baby, like they, (laughs) like you've slung them over your shoulder. And like you are an anime character. (laughs) Exactly. So essentially you're just sitting on a, on a dais telling them like, stay in a chair. Like that's what you would tell a toddler, you know? Like, hey, like, stay there a minute. I'm going to walk into the other room. <laughs> you know what? Mom needs a little downtime, so. Exactly. You, you get in the chair. Exactly. Oh, so Up that's, that's writing conferences. So, Dude, yeah, but Flex, the book, we don't want to bury the lead here. This is no, huge. No, we're not burying the lead. Yeah, Flex 3, The Dog Lives. It's coming out on the Gut Check label. Um, I couldn't be more ecstatic myself to be doing this in-house, uh, to be doing it on our own label, and uh, to be having, having you illustrate, baby. It's going uh, to be a time. And more and more, I like this model. I like just going independent. I like maintaining the control. Um, this is going to be great fun for us. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll maybe we'll celebrate at a cheesecake factory. You know, we'll <laughs> we'll rent like a we'll rent a special room back there, and uh, we'll do a launch a cheesecake factory launch party. I have a couple um, questions, dude. Follow up, yeah. sir. Uh, yeah, sure. When you were about halfway home, did the mm-hmm. uh, the guy from the other publishing house call you and say? Oh, by the way, lunch was eleven dollars. <laughs> no, but that would have been that would have been great. He was actually he was very generous with dinner. So uh, tip tip of the cap to that person and to uh, that unnamed person. My boy yeah. will bring that up every once in a while, even though it's a story that you told me while he was like off, like hanging out with your son. And yeah, just he was like four it. at the time. Yeah, yeah he has a, he has a mind like a steel trap. Dude, this guy is—he's become the funniest person I know, and he knows when to drop just the right reference, and it's usually something a little obscure and just barely connected, where it takes That's a second good. to get what he's saying, and then it just drops like mm-hmm. a—it like blows up like a, a, a joke grenade that that needed the countdown. Um, yeah, that was that's a that's a great reference, dude. The uh, lunch was it twelve dollars or was it eleven dollars? It's important to me. I think it was eleven dollars. It might have been nine dollars even. Like nine. it was a really <laughs> kind of nizzling amount. Like it, it really, there wasn't a whole lot to it either way. But uh, not that anyone listening knows. I, I actually forgot for a moment that you and I were recording a podcast. So yeah, for actual people. Um, <laughs> no, the the guy the guy who was involved in that story is for sure not listening to the Gut Check podcast. But. Uh, some of the people adjacent to the story might be listening, and they will get a kick out of it. So uh, it's a it's a win all the way around. Unlike Zach, a book that you purchased for your trip, and <laughs> I w- I do want to talk about this because to talk I want more to talk about ab- that. <laughs> yeah, I want I want to talk about the pathology of like a pre trip book purchase because I think the pressure is a bit higher because you really want the book to be. You want it to be engrossing. You don't want it to be like a dice roll. You know what I mean? You want to know that you're going to like it. Yeah. And yeah, you're you right. bought a book for your trip. You thought you were going to like it. You ended up not liking it. Talk about it. All right. So my thought initially was, do you do this with certain authors you like? I have an author that I love um, and it's Elmore Leonard. He's dead. Yeah. He can't write anymore because he's dead. Uh, right. At least if he can write anymore, I can't read it. 
while I'm alive. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, <laughs> I have read almost all of his books. Yeah. And I'm kind of saving the rest of them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's only oh, yeah. a limited number. Um, yep. And so I almost, I'm like, maybe this trip is when I want to, like, buy the next Elmore Leonard. And then I decided, uh, no, no, no. I, I It's going to be too, you know, I want to I enjoy those. I don't want to be a little bit here and there at the airport and stuff. Sure. So I go over to, like, a poor man's Elmore Leonard. Um, yeah. Or, according to the blurb on the back, the next Kurt Vonnegut. Um, oh. The, the uh, just disgustingly sophomoric Chuck Palahniuk, who I think the best thing that could ever happen to any author is that someone makes Fight Club, the movie, out of your book, Fight Club, which was about an eighth as good and about a a sixteenth as clever. Um, Yeah. That was a big... You know, they always say, if you love the movie, don't read the book, uh, and vice versa. But I thought, you know, because there was so many... that, That narrator did so many what was obviously quotes you know word for word quotes even sure. the little tiny you know lipstick red second alls like that that stuff in the background yeah. i'm like oh it's got to be just full chucked full of this stuff and instead it yeah. was tyler and marla calling each other human butt wipe and like I just yeah it, it felt like it had been written by someone like who would later grow up and maybe become the the screenwriter of, of fight club anyway yeah. all that to say i wanted to give him another chance and i did i did read one more of his novels and found it a post Fight Club one and found it to be better and okay. and clever and had a really cool twist and and a really good kind of exploration of a certain kind of life experience. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know the, the the stuff about kind of this nihilistic stripe through through men mm-hmm. as and and how you deal with it. I think it's an interesting yeah. idea that that he often. It's a very interesting deal. idea. Yeah. So I buy this book, which is, I'm not going to even say the name of the book because it was so disgusting. I don't want anyone to buy it sure. out of curiosity. But it was his short stories. Well, subtitle was Stories You Can't Unread. Uh-huh. Should have tipped me off. You said you yeah. think you may have read this book as well. I did because, I, and I want to do a minute on like the late 90s, early 2000s, like Fight Club pathology and how deeply each of us bought into it for a minute. Okay. Now um, this is a book from 2015, but it certainly continued in that vein. Yeah, continued in that vein. So, does he have other short story collections? I don't know. Okay, because I, I know shouldn't. that I... He's not good at writing them. I bought Fight Club the novel shortly after, like, watching the movie. Because I, I did a... I did, like, a six-month tumble into Fight Club, where I really bought it, and I was really into it. And uh, it was really profound. For a lot of the reasons you already mentioned. Like, the whole the whole nihilistic streak, the whole kind of... Remember in the late 90s when everybody was enamored with, like, gritty? Yeah. You know, g- grit and, like, this is real. This is honest. And, and I've, I've, by, by real and honest, we mean this is text on a screen that's sort of jumpy. <laughs> yes, this is text on a screen. This is a handheld camera, basically, <laughs> right. was, was what that boiled down to. And uh, because I was young and stupid, I, f- I fell, like, headlong into that for, like, six months. We so, all did, dude. Yeah, we all did. Yeah, so I had I had the Fight Club... DVD. I bought the book. It sucked. I kind of talked myself out of it sucking uh, enough to have bought another short story collection, which probably wasn't this one if this one came out in 2015. Um, but yeah, much the same experience. Like, and, and I think this is what it boils down to for me. And I want to hear you on this. Um, I think because we're Christians, there is some element of like, I want at least one of the characters to have some 
little tiny crackle of redemption in their lives. Which the like, Fight Club movie some... did, but the Fight Club book didn't. Yes, that's it. That's Polnick correct. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So his books are all just these like scorched earth landscapes of despair and meaninglessness and nihilism, where there's nothing even like fun to enter into. Because even if it, even if a novel's worldview doesn't coalesce with mine, oftentimes there are things about it that I want to experience. So like I can read an Ernest Hemingway novel that's about Spain or whatever and go, yeah, I'm not vibing with this on the like view of the world aspect, but at least I get to be in Spain for 200 pages, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, like there, there was nothing of that on either level for, uh, for, for this guy's books. Do you agree? Yes. Um, well, I'll tell you this. There was a kind of a bait and switch in that uh-huh. the first story that I read in this, this one was very uplifting yeah. Even though it was also dark, it was about, I'm just going to say the, the plot of it real quick and ruin it for everyone. Don't buy this book. It's horrible. Um, yeah. It's about like this trend in a high school where everybody who is promising puts defibrillator mm-hmm. uh, stickies on their brain and then fries their brain so that they're completely stupid, drooling idiot zombies um, mm-hmm. because then they don't have to deal with like where to go to college and and all this stuff and they're always yeah. happy and then at what the, a horrible thing to have to deal with yeah you know yeah. but at the end of it this guy doesn't do it and like some every it, it's almost a very cheesy ending but because it's Polnick yeah. it wasn't that cheesy everyone holds on to him so that it would ground all the and, and it was I yeah. was actually read it and it had like kind of a nice uplifting feeling of wow there's like some hope yeah. here maybe he he's matured and found yeah. you know that that even though it's a great paycheck nihilism and, and like kind of the the message behind I don't remember what the theme of the novel was, but I know that the reason I still think the movie holds up is, is that it, the kind of the subtext is this nihilism is a young man's game and it burns out quickly and it pays no dividends and you have to level up beyond it because it's, it's stupid. Um, but then, so I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll like all this. So then I start reading the next and I read the next three stories. And one of them is a Mm -hmm. precursor to fight club in which you find out that ostensibly Tyler Durden's like some like, ageless ghost who's been around for hundreds of years, which is dumb. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm going to cut this out. I'm just going to uh-huh. describe the next two things, uh, the next okay. two stories, and I'm going to get your reaction to them. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to cut out your reaction. Only my okay. description. Uh, wow. That's awful. It's it's beyond <laughs> awful. And, and if you, and yeah. the descriptions, and it, it, he's very good. He's very good at, yeah, at yeah, painting yeah. a picture. Too good. That's, that's literally maybe the most... The single most despairing thing I've ever heard. Like it's it's sad on so many levels, but uh, but but go on. Yeah, buckle yeah. in. It's not going to be the most despairing thing you heard in a second. Um, okay. Oh, oh, that's yeah. That is now the saddest thing I've ever heard. Now I'm sorry to have shared that with you, but tell me what grade you think someone would be in who would write that, I, honestly, and how quickly you'd call a freaking caseworker. To, to help this yeah. kid. I mean, you, you would call a caseworker immediately because it's a... I mean, not to put too sort of pastoral a point on it, but like it's a, it's a soul that has just been scorched. Like it's a, it's a fully hardened heart. You know what I mean? And they're... Yeah, you're looking around in a story like that for anything of like hopefulness or redemption and finding none. And... Uh, yeah, it's awful, dude. And it and it begs the question, I don't consider myself like a rube where I just need all my entertainment to be 
simple and puppy dogs and ice cream. Oh, and for like crying really out loud, you're the infinite jest guy. I mean, for certainly yeah. not. Yeah. No, 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 no. But, but still, like, and maybe it's an aging thing. I think the older I get, the less okay I am with just entering that world for any amount of time and staying in it. Um, it in part because I don't want to be in it, but in part because I just, I, I just think it's proof that we're made in God's creation that we don't want to be in that. Yeah, you know, yeah, that you want to get out as quick as possible. And I want to get out shower. as quick as possible. Yeah, I want to take a shower. I want to, and I'm not the purest person. You know this. Like, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm certainly not like standing in judgment of anybody on that level. But, uh, but yeah, it's sad. And let, let me run another theory by you. So this book came out in 2015. This guy got famous in I don't know 1999 or whenever Fight Club came out. I'm sure I'm wrong. No, but you're right. That's that's when it came out. Yeah, but there's been like a, a like a 16 year uh, period in which ostensibly the person is maturing, changing, growing, and yet I think again for the non Christian, like growth doesn't just happen, right? Uh, change doesn't happen. Your worldview doesn't change. Um, so I, I think this idea of being refined until we die is kind of our distinct purview, and it's a really good thing. Right. Like I want to think of being, you know, bearing more fruits of the spirit when I'm old than I did when I was 22 or that I did even when I was 32 or, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever. And I had a similar experience, Zach, with a similar author who I really admired. Uh, he's the guy that wrote Legends of the Fall. OK. Um, so kind of similar in that he. He wrote for a long time. I think he was in his 50s when he optioned Legends of the Fall. And it gets made into a Brad Pitt movie. It gets huge. His profile becomes huge as a writer. And I kind of get into reading him a little bit. And I got the the original Legends of the Fall novella, which was part of a, another collection. And the stories were pretty good, like including Legends of the Fall. Like it held up to the movie. It was really, really good. Uh, but then I started buying his other stuff and stuff that he had written later in life. And it was almost like the de-evolution of a writer hmm. in that all of his like short stories most recently have been about like older men trying to have sex with younger women. No. And it's just, it's bleak, dude. And yeah, but it, but it's really, it's driven me to this place of growth, change, being refined having the potential for like sweetness and gentleness is really only the purview of the Christian in older age. Um, your thoughts. It's interesting you use the word de-evolution because I think the, the kind of godless masses will think of everyone as growing and evolving and changing, you know, throughout life. And and we'll talk about that. uh, And as if it's a natural occurring process and at the same time you know there's this youth worship where we see people kind of calming down and uh the fire kind of going a little lower um as being a bad thing um and all of that to say there isn't really any notion of sanctification or you know anything and i think you're you're dead on there um and when you watch what happens often to like strident uh, Hollywood people as they get older and and yeah. the the way that they they just kind of calcify into this um, really bleak outlook and 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 hedonism really uh, it sets in even as it becomes less and less fulfilling it becomes the only thing uh, 
the only option out there for someone who doesn't have something bigger. And I mean, I, I would yeah. think that really any any actual religion, and I and I say actual mm-hmm. religion meaning not um, Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, spirituality of the week, but like <laughs> yeah. anything that that portends to connect you to something timeless, eternal, would yeah. at least give you a sense that growing continually is towards something specific, towards something, toward a real North Star, North Pole, something sure. that, that you can hold on to is is laudable and, and what we're here for. But mm. I think the world at large, it kind of reminds me of having been in Yellowstone, I was so blown away. You've been there, right? I have not, actually. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we did an Out West trip, but we didn't do Yellowstone. Dude, it was mind-blowing. Like, going mm, in, Erin was way it. more excited than me, but I, I kind of yeah. almost caught up to her, I think. Um, it mm. was mind-blowing. And, and, but anywhere out west, you know, you look around, um, even when we were in Cody, Wyoming, you know, you're just surrounded mm-hmm. by mountains and just just grandeur. Yeah. And, you, and you think, wow. This is amazing. God is amazing. And then you're in Yellowstone mm-hmm. and there's all these like, you're on a volcano and there's all this things yeah. bubbling. And and I kept being really just in awe and then having these little moments of just absolute kind of sadness, thinking about mm-hmm. the fact that everyone I know, not everyone, but most people I know who are super, super into, who like weighed in on, oh, you got to go see this. You got to go see this. I love, I love all that yeah. stuff. For them, it's like, Let's just go and look at the kind of blind thrashing about of of nature, unguided mm-hmm. and meaningless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And gosh, that's just so sad to me. And I think that's that's kind of a metaphor for how life. You have to view life more and more if you don't have uh, something uh, firm to hold on to. Some, something that's not shifting sand. Something that is yes. an actual rock to hang on mm. to. And 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 kind of make your foundation and build upon and and root yourself upon. Um, mm. And I think Chuck Palahniuk is a just great example of... Now, that, that's not why he's bad. I mean, like, there's so many writers. And like when you say Hemingway, certainly not someone who's building his life on uh, solid <laughs> yeah, yeah, rock yeah. and yet someone that right. you can read with profit. Here, here's a question. Sure. What, yeah. What's the difference um, if you had to... Elevator pitch the difference between yeah. um, Chuck Palahniuk and David Foster Wallace, whom you greatly admire and love reading. Um, yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of people would probably think of them as similar. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I would. I would say that I greatly admire him. I do love reading him. I think there's a huge talent gap. Um, so number one, I just think Wallace is a better constructor of stories. He's a better writer of sentences um, and shot through. Now I sound like a douche talking about infinite jest. That's become a punchline of its own. You don't but, though, uh, because you're an actual professor in this. I mean, like don't forget <laughs> who you are here. You're, you're not yeah, me yeah. spewing something about this. No, 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 no. But, um, and, and even that, yeah, like it, it, the whole thing has become like memefied, which is sad at, at some level because there really is talent there. But I think, I think Wallace's stuff was more a commentary on this is what's going to happen to us if we try to entertain ourselves to death. And shot through that was a sense of there's something worth protecting there. Like there's innocence that's worth protecting in the world. Which is a catcher and in the rise uh, underlying It's, it's a catcher theme, in the rise. Right? Which is yes, why I love totally. that book so much. Oh, me too. Yeah, you and I, like we connect with that book for the same reason. Because we... 
and again, I don't know. I think this is because we we know Christ, right? And it's because we love the Lord that there's a sense of I want to protect innocence. I don't want to just stew in like hopelessness and despair and being shocking and seeing how dark I can make a story. And I, I think the thing, I really did love my MFA program, but there were, there were a few moments where, yeah, we, we'd be reading a story like this, which was just like despair with a side of despair. And often with like unchecked sexuality being sort of the engine that, that fuels the story. And people sitting around kind of stroking their goatees going, mm, yeah, you know, deep, like... Um, trying to say very MFA-ish things about it. And I just remember thinking, even though the author of this is like 75, this is sophomoric. <laughs> like, this is dumb. This is trite. This is banal. <laughs> yeah. This is this is a 75-year-old, 15-year-old. I love you know? that you say and, banal. Uh, That's great. Yeah, yeah. Banal. That's how I say I, it, too. I almost, yeah, I got into a thing of, what was the other word that we that we were using a lot? Um, oh, do, do you know people who call nihilism nihilism? Oh, yes. Yeah, that seems Pretty like a nihilistic. major sort of ac- academic flex for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a real thing, though. And it's like, I don't know, teach, teaching English. And I, I don't teach English, for the record. I teach journalism. And I'm so thankful that I teach something that's a little more grounded in, in reality. But I anymore i just think teaching english is an exercise and like sorry that's a weird alert from my phone um amber alert i just silenced it yeah yeah speaking of depressing things Uh, um yeah english is just an exercise in in political kind of cultural virtue signaling and uh yeah the whole thing's super sad dude i don't know where it's going but it's it's not good do you want to talk about um, minor league baseball? I do, because in light of, and this is going to sound like I'm trying to do a segue, but I'm not. Um, in light of all the sadness that we sort of touched on, and just kind of the sadness that's been embodied by the last 24 months of, of life in our, in our world, the, the one kind of take me out of that experience that's cheap and accessible and local is minor league baseball. And uh, I find that when I go to the ballpark, I have a, a, a completely charming kind of um, nostalgic experience. And this is something that you're experiencing on your end as well, uh, as you've kind of leaned into the Lansing Lugnuts and what it's like to be a fan there locally. So, so talk about it. Tell me about it. Now, we, my, my wife got me six tickets, uh, or the whole family six tickets. Uh, it was really going to be for Father's Day, but she switched it up so that it was so that we could actually go to all the games <laughs> because uh-huh. one of them happened before Father's Day. And this is yeah. something I've been wanting to do for, for years is to really yeah. uh, do a lot of baseball one, one summer um, yeah. because we have that great – it used to be called uh, – Lug nuts or, or Oldsmobile Park when Oldsmobile, Oldsmobile was a Park, thing. yeah, great name. Then it became yeah. the Thomas M. Cooley Law School Stadium, <laughs> uh, which Thomas that M. Just, Cooley doesn't exist yeah. anymore. Yeah, it that rolls just off fills the, the heart with. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue. Well, and to be sure. named after like a bottom tier law school with really low admission standards that gets sued and stuff, right. that's probably not a great idea. Uh, right. Now it's uh, Jackson <laughs> Stadium, which is odd since you're in Jackson, uh, but yes. after Jackson National Insurance, um, yeah. And it's a great park. It's right downtown. 
unlike the one in, in Grand Rapids where you're, you know, way far yeah. away. Um, you're mm-hmm. right in the middle of the city and mm-hmm. it's just such a fun place. It's just the right size where it doesn't take forever yeah. to get in. It's not super expensive, like going to a Tigers game yeah. or something. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about whether uh, either of our teams would survive this kind of reshuffling. Uh, yeah. Both are good to go. We're now well, a... Well, actually... Wait, what? I, I have a footnote to that. My team didn't survive. So the Generals didn't survive. But due to Canada being like the biggest COVID guy imaginable and basically <laughs> like shuttering their doors for two years... Um, we absorbed one of the Canadian teams. So we have Winnipeg's team playing in our stadium now. And um, it's great. There's no Jackson so, Generals. It's No, there's no Jackson Generals. Oh, but the, no. this, I know, dude. But this team, like there's all kinds of like local political haranguing about this that I, I won't get into because A, I don't know about it. And B, I don't care. But <laughs> <laughs> long story short, um, we, we may... There's a there's an outside shot that we could absorb this team, and we'll almost certainly get another team of some kind, and probably call it the Generals. Um, but I don't know exactly how it's going to work. But until that happens, I'm really enjoying this team, man. Winnipeg. So they're called Winnipeg, Jackson. but they're playing in Tennessee. Yes, I love it's great. that. <laughs> I love it too, dude. There's something. I love it too. What I, I also love, kind of the the like when you when you go see a major league game. I don't mind uh-huh. that these guys are getting paid tons of money. There's some people who get really angsty yeah. about that. Dude, if you're the best of the yeah. best of the best, sure. of course you should get paid as the best yeah. of the best. But like, there's something about someone who's arrived and kind of knows and expects the fans. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I love the. So our, our team is um, a high A uh, yeah. for the Oakland A's uh, ball club. Uh, which That's I think awesome. is so cool because you and I having just watched we love Moneyball. Moneyball. Yeah, yeah. And I made my yeah. wife watch that right when I got home. Like the day I got home, we watched that. Dude, did she love it? She loved it. Oh my gosh. It's this so good. So good. Uh, and yeah. I love thinking about like a little, you know, just a connection to that. Um, yeah. But like there's something awesome about these guys who, especially guys who had to give up a year of this dream and yeah. now are like really pouring themselves into it. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, here's a weird thing. And this is an old man, I think, an old man thing. Yeah. I uh, I got home and the, so you know how they do these things and like they can't afford to fly you around all the time so they just do these sure. week long series yeah series you know you you're uh, on the road not on the road you're at another <laughs> at another uh-huh. park for a week or another in another city and then you're back home for a week um, yeah so we saw them play the uh, what was it South Bend Cubs yeah and they they crushed them fifteen to one yeah, yeah. the next night they're playing them again and I just kept going like man I wish I was watching this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to listen to this the game on the radio because yeah. I have so many good memories of my dad having baseball games uh, on the radio. Yeah, I've, I'll be I'll put on a, a MLB game I know nothing about and care nothing about as background noise because it's comforting. Dude, it's great background noise. Dude, yeah, it's like a, it's great, like the the mother's heartbeat that puts babies to sleep. You know, just there's just it a is. comfort to it. Uh, and yeah. so I'm trying to find it, and it's not on the radio anywhere. I think that because uh-huh. Lansing is just just not quite big enough a city to like yeah. to support that. Um, yeah. It used to be on the game or whatever, 7:30 a.m., but it's just yeah, not yeah. anymore. So I I go. I bet you can stream it, and I'm streaming it, but it keeps cutting out. Finally, mm-hmm. I said, there's got to be a way I can like watch it online. And I signed up for MILB.com, the minor league yep. kind of thing. Yep. Um, so you can watch the games streaming live. These guys yeah. are calling the game 
from Lansing <laughs> because of COVID yeah. and stuff. Um, yeah. But I love what I what I miss even when I'm live at the park, even though it's a better experience, is hearing yeah. like the background, the radio call. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really. So I, I was thinking maybe I'll just listen to that next time we're there, and I can fill people in in my in my family. Um, so I'm I'm Dude, watching. That is that. the oldest old man thing. Oh my like gosh, bringing you're right. a radio, AM to radio, the one earpiece. Yeah, <laughs> AM radio and earpiece. <laughs> you, yeah, your grandpa's like, I just want to. I like these guys on the radio. I want to hear the call. Have you, you done know? that? I've I've never done it, but I'm I'm interested in doing it now. Now that you're doing it, have you done it yet? I haven't. No, we're going to another game on Saturday, and I'm I'm probably going to nice. try and pull it off. Um, I love it. And Dude, then maybe I t- I'll go to a game this weekend, and I'll Dude. I'll try the same thing, and then we could we could record about it. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I texted you and said I was what I I did this old man thing. I signed up for this thing, uh, this monthly yeah. subscription for the summer, and you mm-hmm. were like, I did the same thing. I I've already had that. <laughs> And I thought, yeah, no, it's phenomenal. It's super fun, dude. And there's something like, I don't know, and we, and this this will sound silly, but there is something pure and nice and unsullied by just all the crap that's happening and all the dark that's happening in the world. There's just something really nice about flipping on a minor league baseball game, you know, and and you're getting local ads, so you don't even have to sit through like, I don't know. Viagra and Colaguard and like all the the betting horrific. ones, the freaking yeah, oh my yeah. gosh, DraftKings yeah, or whatever. DraftKings, oh, yeah, right, right. Kill me. All the scumbaggy national ads. You don't have to sit through all that. It's just nice, dude. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all in on on old man minor league baseball stuff. And still, ah, oh, dude, because I've been hollowed out and burned up by life. Like I don't dream anymore. But but if I did, I would dream of. <laughs> I don't dream a- anymore. Oh I don't, dude. Yeah, that's over, man. That that part of me is dead. But um, oh, no. But if that part of me wasn't dead, I would uh, I would want to own a minor league baseball team. I really would. I think that would be so amazing, and I would be the best front of the house guy ever. I would greet the fans and like give them a great experience, and it would be amazing. Would you have a, a uh, like a Jonah Hill on staff as like the assistant general manager? To- I would. Yeah, I'd want to replicate all that, including Brad Pitt's office in uh, Moneyball, which was right there, kind of under the bleachers. You could see the field from it. Um, would you work out during games office. instead of watching them? <laughs> I would probably get like a short workout in, and then like go up and watch the last few innings. I, I would want to. I I do a half and half that way. Hey, hey, Ted, do you have any kids? Yeah, a daughter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, we love that part. Even better yeah, is a daughter. I am gonna, I am gonna pray for you and your family. Uh, no, no problem. problem. <laughs> yeah, dude, we love that. I just want you to say, sir, I'll be praying for you and your family. Uh, hey, dude, I didn't no cry problem. at all either time I watched that movie. At the end, when he was listening yeah. to his daughter uh, play the song, okay. yeah, <laughs> not a bit. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely not. Cause you're a strong man. Yeah. Strong men don't do that. No, that scene is there to make people like us tear up and it, and it works a hundred percent. Um, yeah, that, that's a, it's a weird. Okay. So in the pantheon of movies that you don't think will make you cry, but yet they do. I think, I think Moneyball is on the Rushmore for that kind of movie. Dude, it's like about math and baseball. Crier. It shouldn't, it shouldn't right. be emotional. <laughs> Dude, it's about math and baseball. There are basically no women in it at all, except for his daughter. And yet, like, you're crying at the end of it. It's fascinating. Um, and he doesn't have any emo- emotions except rage throughout. So, like... <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Somehow, he though. Has, 
he has rage, but clearly he loves his daughter. Um, he loves his you, team. You de- he won't abandon. He him. loves his team. He loves baseball. You can definitely buy the like the bind that he's in. So it's a really good make the plot move kind of thing. And even just the scene, dude, the the very small scenes of him interacting with his wife. There's this there's this amazing scene where he goes to her very mod like mid century house where she lives with her new partner Spike who Jones. is Spike Jones yeah who's Spike Jones and he's the most like weaselly nervous you know Billy's such an alpha like Brad Pitt's such an alpha he just like fills up any room that he's in and he walks into this room with this guy who's like wearing a quarter zip and sandals and you know uh, Billy's like well how have you been and the guy's like uh, things have been very peaceful Billy you know uh, <laughs> namaste I heard you lost I heard you lost Giambani, and Billy's like, it's Giambi. You know, <laughs> it's just an incredible scene. Um, but yeah, even those little scenes, they kind of underscore the bind that he's in, and uh, they, they power the story along. So yeah, that's a great one, dude. Such a great one. What are some other unexpected crying movies? The Rookie. Yo, Totally. Totally. When he gives the baseball to his dad at the oh end. Oh my gosh, dude. Forget about it. I think yeah. there's a, is there an unwritten like man rule where like you're, you're grandfathered in on, on a, a couple of single tears drifting down your cheek if it's a sports movie, right? I mean, or a war movie. I think so. Those two you're yeah, allowed to get emotional about. But it's I'll not, be honest, it's not almost, the sports, yeah. it's the relationship in that one. It's the relationship. And, and to be fair, it's the relationship on most sports movies. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Hoosiers or uh, obviously Field of Dreams. It's all about relationships. But, or even uh, uh, The Miracle. Like you're, yeah, you're totally. euphoric when the win happens. But when yes. when uh, he goes down underneath and privately celebrates for half a second and then runs out because he has to make eye contact. I'm getting choked up now. He has to yeah, look yeah. at his wife and see her approval and share the moment with her and find her in the stands. I know it. Then you're just, I'm like, okay, nobody look at me right now because yeah. I'm a mess. Yeah. It's huge. I mean, it's honestly, it's the redemption that all of these quote unquote literary, quote unquote postmodern, like all these really quote unquote edgy novels, like it's what they lack, man. They lack a heart. I don't know. Um, The moment where the... I, I started crying because I was emotional. You tear up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Because Because I'm despairing for the universe, but you know. Yeah, yeah, despairing for the future of humanity. Then I call CPS uh, and say I want to record the next. uh, I want to report the next uh, Kurt Vonnegut here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to get on record? Um, I want to report this character, even though he's fictional. (laughs) Because somebody dreamed him up. Exactly. I'm sorry, I stepped Uh, on something. You were saying something nice, and I mm -hmm. and I came in with the the bleak thing. I'm sorry. The nice thing was just, I think we're making a connection with the heart in these movies, and. that's something that I don't want to lose the ability to do, even as society pretty much burns the ground around us. Um, that'll be the challenge, don't you think? Like, the chief challenge will be uh, being able to still do that. I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we won't lose it because it's it's mm-hmm. in, innate, it's intrinsic to being human. But I mm-hmm. want to suggest, even though you don't dream anymore, yeah, yeah. I want to suggest something that I want to see happen before sure. either of us dies. Uh, and you know who knows how long we've got. We're we're middle aged. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think there needs to be a long Ted Clock novel. Okay. I think there's one in you. Okay. I think it's been there forever. 
I can tell mm-hmm. that you love to write little bits mm. of. You love to write dialogue. You love to write. Yeah. You love to to dabble in fiction. I think you you're uh-huh. a far better creative writer than ninety nine point nine nine percent people out there, and I think the world deserves this. Ah, uh, have yeah, you considered you that say. ever? Um, I've I've considered it in passing, but I think, and I want to hear you on this because you're a novelist, like way more than I Was. will ever be. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think. The first person you have to convince is yourself when you're going to sit down to write a novel and you've got to convince yourself at least at some level that it's going to be big or it's going to be worth doing. And that's a that's a set of mental gymnastics that I used to be really good at when I was young. I was the greatest like BS artist to myself. Like I, I could sell myself on any idea and it was a lot of fun and it powered me through a lot of a lot of things. But I, I've, I think that's what I've lost the ability to do. Um, that it's, like, it I don't has know to that, be big and worth doing on a uh, dividend scale. Somewhat. I, and maybe this is just the curse of middle age, right? Maybe, I think, Zach, when we were 25, I would sit down and I would lock myself in the attic for, and I'd stay up till two in the morning for weeks at a time writing something that I really believed in. Whereas now it's like, I have to be able to parlay this into a new driveway or a couple of years of tuition, or this has to do something for me because I've got this, you know, this huge house that's decaying all around me. And I've got, you know, two kids. Um, I've got all these responsibilities. So I no longer have the luxury of like just jerking around with a project. That's like an exercise in self pleasure. Like it has to, it has to go somewhere financially for me to be able to do it and i think that's that's been the hang-up for me with the novel dude that surprises um, the heck out of me that you say that because you seem like really like you you you've you've poured poured yourself into some of these projects we've done that have we've known weren't going to be lucrative just i know they were going but, to be awesome even with those though okay so here's the difference with those i know a beyond a shadow of a doubt it's going to be fun right so bare minimum nothing else happens it's going to be super fun. So going in, I've already got that. And B, I know that I'm going to do it with you. So there's a sense of like the good kind of collaboration. Like this is going to in some ways power the friendship forward. Um, And C, I know that even though they're not going to make huge money, they're going to make enough to keep us in steaks and cigars Mm -hmm. and like to keep the good times rolling for a while. And so to me, that's that's a really legitimate payoff. And I think my... My trouble with the novel is like, I'm not 25, so I can no longer sort of convince myself that it's going to be quote unquote important in the way that like insufferable young novelists do. Um, Ironically, like, at, and not 25, you probably could write something that is though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, and, and that's the thing, right? So that's the, that's the catch 22. When you're 25, you can't write anything important. When you're 45, you probably could. Let's call it the catch 25. Yeah, the catch twenty five. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I don't know, man. So that that's my hang up with the novel. And I think honestly, like making the movie has been such a horrible experience that like I don't know that I'll ever take a risk like that again. And and when I say horrible, I mean writing the script was joyful. Even shooting it was super joyful. But just like the post production, waiting around for people, creative differences, like 
um, blender that I'm in now has just been nightmarish. And I, I, I can't think of ever doing anything like that again. But maybe, I don't know, maybe something will change, you know? Um, time will tell. I, I get all that. I wanna yeah. I wanna bounce off you something though that I think sure. if you kind of leaned into and and uh, leveraged you could you could still find it, maybe not the space in your life as much as the the will um, yeah. for something like this and that is that like yeah. I think that you are a literary extrovert. This is a category I just mm. invented and I'm I'm kind of fleshing out as I say this. Dude, I like it. I'm interested. Go for me. I like having written. I like reading what I wrote once I've gotten it to the the point that I love it. Yeah. I like, to some degree, I like, I, I even like in tiny chunks, having written a paragraph and rereading that while I'm, while I'm in the midst of writing and going, yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. You, yeah. you on the other hand, so, so basically that's like introverts, right? Introverts like yeah. interacting with people, but it's work. Mm-hmm. It drains mm-hmm. them. And at mm-hmm. the end of a day, they might love ha- going to a party, but they got to go home and be alone. And that's you and me, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, like yeah. we're like, okay, mm-hmm. I've got to just be alone for a while or just with my lady uh, yeah. and, and just enjoy, you know, recharge. Whereas an extrovert yeah. goes to a party and that's what recharges them. And I feel like yeah. for you, if I'm a, a literary introvert and it just kind of depletes mm-hmm. me, you, when I see you, like somebody suggests, oh, it would be funny to write this. And you're like, your face lights up, you grab your laptop and right in the moment you're smiling hugely <laughs> while you're typing really fast and then reading yeah. bits as you go. I think you yeah. get powered by the writing. It doesn't deplete you. It actually, it, mm. it, in, it, it vivifies you. And yeah. that's what makes you extroverted in that way. And I think that like, if you leaned into that, you could find that even, you know, if you could divorce yourself from where it might go, Whatever the yeah. project, you know, I know that you've yeah. kind of uh, laid off a lot of the kind of projects you used to do. Um, mm-hmm. it, it could be, it, you could find that you get into kind of this wonderfully vicious cycle of it just kind of feeding you rather than depleting mm. you and, and, and giving you back a taste of like something that you kind of had in your youth and, and haven't as yeah. much lately. Man, I would love that. I really would. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's It's weird with writing. And it's weird with aging, and I know you got to go. So at whatever point, just tell me. But um, when you're young, as a writer, and you're getting book deals, and you and I both experienced this, like you think of yourself as promising, and you think of yourself as having upside, and like even if this book doesn't do great, the next one will. And I know there's going to be a next one because I know I'm talented and I can make it happen. And that was the first. I don't know, 12 to 15 years of my career. Um, but something happens where, and part of it's just the industry that we're in, right? There's there's sort of two categories that, that work in publishing. You're either the young, up and coming, like um, talented kid with promise, or you're the sage old white haired wisdom guy. And there's really nothing for guys our age. Like the only guys that are the only guys that are making it as middle aged writers are like leadership scumbags, you know, like the, the kind of Chaz Marriott types that we make fun of and and are full of disdain for. So, um, you know, we're just in it. We're at a we're at a tough age. We're at like the awkward stage of being a writer. We have but, writer um, acne, if you will. We do, yeah. But but yeah, like I no longer think of myself as young and promising, nor do I think of myself as like sage and old and full of wisdom. It's just hard to know what to do right now. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that y- you are, it's like in the army, right? I mean, like if mm-hmm. a guy's 29, they call him the old man. 
uh, yeah. and 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 he is kind of the the guy with all the wisdom because he's the guy with all the experience. And um, yeah. you're you're not only the guy with all the experience of whatever almost three dozen books or something under your belt, yeah. but also the guy with the Elliot Gould glasses who is clearly uh, oh. old before his time. So. You're you're kind of both uh, on, on a couple of levels. You're you're the old guy who's who's made it um, and had a storied career of flops and huge successes and middle of the rotors mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. knows a ton. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's where you got to position yourself from. Uh, yeah. As as a a veteran, um, as a grizzled guy who is still has the spark, and I think you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And that's a good, it's a good word and it's a good way to think about it. And like, it's, a, it's amazing how helpful it is to talk about your career with somebody else because I, I, I have a hard time thinking strategically about my own career. Um, I have a hard time seeing beyond like whatever's right in front of me that I'm doing. Um, so that's, that's good, man. That's super helpful. Um, okay. Who would have thought I'd bring done? you up? I know. That's that's great. Now I'm the baby on your shoulder, uh, metaphorically speaking. We're just a couple of babies hugging it out. <laughs> and, and and spitting up on each other's backs. That should be the that should be the title of the app. Uh, hey, dude, I hey, love it. I wanna uh, as we go, I'm gonna reopen yeah. this Word document and I'm gonna tease uh some of these gutcha quarterly uh Columns because we haven't really told people much of what's in there. Yeah. Uh, And the fact is, it's it's so much funnier than I thought it would be, and so much uh, more of a real magazine than I thought it would be. Oh, yeah. Definitely a real magazine. The sections we've got are editorial, opinion, reviews, arts and cultures, human interest, not arts and cultures, arts and culture, Uh uh, human interest, business, just for fun. Uh, And then (laughs) uh, in here, you're going to find uh, an advice column. Uh, yep. Dear Ted and Zach, advice column called Thanks for the Advice. Uh, nice. You're going to find an op-ed called It's Time to Put an End to Sunsets by Luke Wampus. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> a prophecy column. Um, there's there's uh, reviews. Uh, James Wiles reviews Reraptured, uh, which is, uh-huh. is interesting in and of itself. There's an excerpt from Endures, Duke Morrison Endures. Um Dispatches from the Arnold Cluck Smoking Lounge by Ted Cluck. The legendary Nakatomi Cigar Lounge by Kate Russell Morrison, who might be my wife. Um, <laughs> Missed Some, The Death and Life of Harry Ellis by Ted Cluck. <laughs> um, one of my favorite ones, which is about the uh, NFT, Are We Having Fungible Yet? by Ted nice. Cluck. Um, oh, and I haven't added to this yet the uh, opinion piece about the uh, Logan Paul uh, Yes, fight. that's right. Yeah, brand new. Logan Paul should have should have gotten knocked out, kept propped up, right, for more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you make more money if if the if your opponent goes a distance, or if you knock him out, or does it not, not matter? Like it seems like you should no, make more money if you I, knock him out. Well, I th- I think what they were doing is angling for another fight. Oh, okay. Um, which is just the saddest and most despairing thing ever. Which I wrote about. At length, dude. The, th- that's uh, dude. Yeah. What's funny is this magazine is part just like goofy satire uh, mm-hmm. spoof, part literary journal. Uh, yeah, and, and I mean it, it's it's definitely pure gut check. You really it have to. It's almost like a a collection of episodes of the gut check podcast because some of ours are just stupid and some of them actually like today get into real stuff, real issues. Yeah. 
But uh, there's there's going to be a lot. It's going to be packed full. Issues in focus? You're going to treasure that? this. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Issues in focus. I'm going to see if I can call something that. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good, dude. That'd be so good. That's a that's a joke from the early days, man. The the very a joke days. that you would never make in the early days. Yes, a joke that and a joke that I certainly would never make now. Um, <laughs> For the Zach, community, we've, done, we've we we have about the community. That's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We've done what we always do on this program, Zach, and we've we've kind of metaphorically touched all the bases to steal a minor league baseball term. Ooh. Since the since we're both old men and we both love minor league baseball, we've we've hit all the bases. Much like the magazine will do, uh, it will be a treasure. It will be a collector's item, um, something that you will display proudly in your home, right next to your framed uh, share of gut check stock. Um, Zach, we are thrilled to put that out. Just as we've been thrilled to do radio, and we will see you next time. Then pay phone at your best friend's wedding. Call me in the middle of the night. Said, baby, we know where this is heading. Let's make a run for it and get lost in the